Hi, I'm Amy. And I'm Steph. And this is Fictionally Booked, a bookish podcast for all your cozy needs. So grab a cup of coffee and join us for weekly fun and chaotic book discussions. So a couple of episodes ago, we talked about the influence of Bookstagram and how reviews affect what types of books we pick up. And we touched a little bit about ARCs. So this episode we want to really focus on how we write reviews what we see and how we request arcs ourselves i want to start off by saying i am terrible at writing reviews (laughs) (laughs) i'm so bad i try and sometimes my reviews tend to be a little too detailed but (laughs) i figure that if i like reading reviews like that then it's okay to write them. Yeah, I mean, I like your reviews. Um, I like lengthy reviews. I prefer them over short, like, five-sentence reviews. Um, I know that... So the reason why I say I'm terrible at writing reviews is because I I have to take notes. If I don't take notes while I'm reading, I'm not going to remember what I read and what I want to include in my review. And I feel like I forget what I read almost immediately after. So if I'm not writing things down, it's not going to be a great review. That happens to me too. So I used to take notes on my phone. So I would have my phone with me if I had a a physical book. And -hmm. I would take little notes here and there or like write down a page number if I wanted to get a quote or if something like big happened. And now that annotating has become such a big thing, it helps me out so much more because... After I finish a book, within the first week after, I have to (laughs) write my review. If not, it starts to get vague, and if I pick up another book, it like I slowly start forgetting everything, and then I'm like, wait, wait, what? What did I want to say? So I'm a mood reader, and because of that, I'm an emotional reader. Um, If a book makes me feel something, it affects the rating and how much I write in my review. Mm -hmm. So like the length of the review. I try to add a little bit about like what the book is, the writing style, POVs, if there are certain tropes, representation, what I loved, character arcs, I mean, everything, pub dates, genres, trigger warnings, or like if an author is new to me um, mm-hmm. or an autobuy, because I feel like that's important. If an author is an autobuy, I'm more inclined to like the book, but if an author is new, I'm more inclined to be more critical of the book, if that yeah. makes sense. Um, but I noticed that with me, it depends very much on the genre when I write my reviews. Um, so now that you mentioned that, I feel like I have a really hard time writing reviews for thrillers because I don't want to include too much because then it'll ruin the story. So essentially spoilers. I don't like including spoilers in my reviews. I really try not to. Um But I find it really, really difficult when I'm trying to review a thriller because you want to talk about the book, but if you talk about it too much or say too much, then you might spoil it for someone that's going to read your full review. (laughs) It was agreeing with me. (laughs) It was like, beep, beep, yes. (laughs) I, okay, so... Because of that, because I'm thinking of some of the thrillers I've reviewed, I try to talk about if the story has like an atmospheric setting, you know, like those mm-hmm. thrillers, that, especially the winter ones, you know, isolated, you know, yeah. hotel or whatever, it's snowing and whatnot. 
um, if there's like several points of views and all those little things that I may look for oh, um, in, in a book. Um, but I tend to do the spoilers. <laughs> but I, I will, okay, so I'll try to make sure that the first couple of sentences are, you know, a general, my general take on, on the book. And then mm-hmm. I'll put like spoilers ahead. Um, and I specifically do that if I'm ranting of a book that I like did not like, Severity. Yeah. Or yep. if I liked the book um, and I know that it's hype and I'm probably one of the last people to read it Mm -hmm. then I'll add the spoilers but I'll say it like spoilers ahead just in case someone else hasn't read it and I know I did that for One of Us is Lying and Song of Achilles yeah yeah I mean it is hard and I do want to talk about the book too like if you know whether I liked it or didn't like it I want to talk about it um but I do I I do try to stay away from spoilers but I guess so my next question right for this is how soon is too soon for spoilers like do you feel like you like if you read a book and you review it you should just automatically you should be okay to put spoilers or do you feel like it is more not appropriate but I don't know maybe like considerate to not put spoilers right away if a book is um hasn't published yet obviously no spoilers right Mm -hmm. um but if a book just came out even like a couple of months from publishing then i say no to spoilers just because i know that everyone has different access to books so not a lot of people buy the book a lot of people you know put the book on hold at a library and i know that even for me like um just with oh what's the name of the book um the house across the street or something like that by riley sager the lake that lake book. Yeah, have the house across some th- the lake or something about a lake. <laughs> yeah. So when it first came out, I put it on hold and I was number like 200 something. I looked at my app today and num- number 52. How many it's, months have passed? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I really want to read it and um, it's fairly new. So I don't want to read a review that may have a spoiler. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try to be, you know, uh, what's the word? conscientious of that Mm -hmm. and I won't add spoilers until you know I feel like I'm the last one that's read it because that's how I felt for Song of Achilles and and one of us is lying I feel like I was the last one (laughs) yeah I I just brought that up because um I know you know we're, we're obviously we're talking about spoilers and I'm talking specifically saying I try not to put spoilers but then I'm thinking like when I'm talking about certain series I don't even realize that I'm putting a spoiler in there because oh. it's been so long. For example, like, I mean, this is a little excessive, right? But Twilight, if we're talking about Twilight, mm. there are still people that haven't read it. And maybe they're like, you know what? I want to read Twilight. And I'm over here talking about things that are like spoilers. But it's been so long. I'm like, is that really considered a spoiler? Or even like Akatar. That's a great area because I've only read the first two Akatar books and I need to yeah. read the third one. And part of me is mad. I started it. Okay, I'm going to go on a whole rant. Because I started it because I felt forced because I kept seeing all these spoilers on BookTok and Bookstagram. And I felt like, okay, if I don't read this, I'm going to keep getting spoilers. I'm going to keep getting mad. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that I'm intentionally looking for them. It, it just, it's the algorithm saying, oh, she liked an Akatar, you know, fan art thing or whatever. Let's yep. let's keep adding stuff there. Um, 
And then I stopped reading it because I just, I, I wasn't into it because I'm a mood reader. Yeah. Um, but I hate seeing all these spoilers for, you know, not just the third book in the series, but Silver Flames too. And I mm-hmm. feel like that one's recently come out and a lot of people are, you know, just getting into the books. And I don't think it's fair that, you know, the book gets kind of killed for us. So I guess yeah. I know what you're saying. But at the same time, a lot of people say, well, you should have read it. <laughs> Who yeah. told you to wait that long? <laughs> you know? Yeah, because I mean, yeah, it is kind of a gray area because how long is too long, right? If a book published two years ago and people are posting spoilers now, I mean, it's been two years, right? Someone can argue, well, it's been two years. Yeah, and now I'm thinking about my Akatar review and it has spoilers that I didn't think were spoilers because, again, I felt like I was the very last person to read it. Yeah. And a little bit earlier, you mentioned how your reviews depend on what you felt about the book, like how, essentially how you rated it. So how, like, I mean, what is your rating system like? I'm very much an emotional reader. So I know that I'm more critical as a reviewer when it comes to thrillers in fantasy Mm -hmm. because I'm looking at world building I'm looking at character arc I'm looking at all the things and if a book made me feel something um it definitely makes my review get higher feeling something doesn't mean like it has to be good it can be like I'm so mad that you know the MC did this Mm -hmm. um because I think that's pretty awesome writing if an author can make you feel all these emotions or like Mm -hmm. sad romances um or or a book that you pick up and you didn't think it was gonna be sad but then it became sad and you're like wait a minute like in five years I didn't think that was going to be sad and I was like crying at the end and hugging the book um and it's because it it just it felt like it was more than what was marketed to me Mm -hmm. um but when it comes to romances I uh, (laughs) I'm not as critical. I'm just like, I vibed. I was entertained. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fast-paced. Maybe, you know, want to keep reading the series. That's that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, or if I found it problematic, I'd probably DNF and don't talk about it. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I feel like I'm more critical. Um, what was the question again? <laughs> I think it was... <laughs> it was basically like, what is your rating system like? I... So that long response, I don't know. I just, in my head, it all works out when I'm writing the review. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't know. I probably should have a system. I've seen people create some. So I feel like, I mean, all I really read are thrillers and fantasy. I'll occasionally read, like, I don't know, just a regular, like, regular fiction um, and occasionally YA horror. But I do feel like as I've gotten older, I, I, I'm more critical of things. Um, I know some people when they read they aren't critical like kind of how you're just reading romance just for the fun of it just for yeah. like the entertainment and I I do have that in a way like obviously I want to be entertained when I'm reading thrillers and run, when I'm reading fantasy but I'm also still really critical of it and I, I think the same thing like how's the pacing how's the prose like am I you know intrigued do I want to keep reading so I've noticed that um, what affects my rating is how I feel picking up a book and so by that I mean am I even excited to read it or to pick it up because if I feel like 
if I feel like I don't want to pick it up and I'm like, oh my God, I have to still read this book. I'm like halfway through, then that's a chore. And that's definitely going to affect my rating because there's something about it that I'm not enjoying. And that doesn't mean it's bad. It just means I'm not enjoying it. And so it's probably going to be a lower rating, um, which is a little different from books that I DNF because, you know, it's kind of the same where I'm like, okay, I don't want to read this or I don't like it and I'll DNF it, but I won't rate it as opposed to a book that I'll continue to read um, because I kind of like the story and I feel like it could get better and then I finish it and then I'll rate it and it's probably usually like a three star. It makes sense because I'm a mood reader and so like you, if I'm not vibing with the the book, but I have to read it, whether it's for book club, a buddy read, or if it's an Mm -hmm. arc, um, it tends to affect the reading. (laughs) So I try to focus on things like is the story moving along fast is it the pace Mm -hmm. you know is it just my mood um and i think it's important to kind of know the rating style or even the review style of the people that you get book recs from because that tends to affect if you're going to like a book or not i'm not going to speak for everyone else but i can't go to goodreads and let's say i'm looking at reviews for la hacienda i I can't trust what i see yeah. And kind of going off of, um, you know, you you have to know who you're getting your recs from and what kind of you know ratings they give and what kind of reviewer they are. Um, but you also, well, I feel like you have to take reviews with a grain of salt yeah. because just because someone likes a book or doesn't like a book doesn't mean that you'll like it or you won't like it. Yeah. So someone could say, you know, this was the steamiest, spiciest book. And then, you know, someone that's a romance reader that reads smut books is going to pick it up. And they're like, absolutely not. Or (laughs) that happens to me. And I'm like, y'all are liars. But it's because the rating systems are very different. And everyone has a different idea of. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Everyone has a different idea of what spice is. Yeah. Because my idea of spice is very different from what yours is. Oh, yeah. (laughs) As someone that likes to, you know, really spend a good amount of time writing a detailed review, um, I won't read them so much, um, especially after a few books have been ruined for me mm-hmm. um, through reviews because I used to take them to heart and I used to be like, oh my gosh, this is going to be like the best book I've, I'm ever going to read. And it happened with Mexican Gothic. And then, you know, it turned out that the book was marketed or described as something that it wasn't. Um, it just, it really affects who I get my reviews from and Mm -hmm. also maybe not focusing on them so much or I'll read them after the fact. So I will read the book, write my review, and then I'll like, you know, hashtag the book and look for all the reviews and see what everyone else is um, writing. Yeah. So um, I, I like reading lengthy reviews. I feel like I'm the opposite. I don't write long reviews. I wish I could, like, I want to get better at writing reviews. Um, and so that's why I'm trying to annotate more and to take more notes so that I could get better at writing them. Um, but I do, I do like reading longer reviews, um, that go into detail that usually avoid, I I try to, you know, avoid reviews that have spoilers. Um, but I also really like it when people do those like bullet points of like, I liked this about the book and I didn't like this about the book or kind of like what you do, like interesting bits of the, of the book. I like that because it gives you a snapshot and we kind of, I think mentioned this in the um, influence of 
of Bookstagram episode. But I like that because it gives you a snapshot. If you don't want to read the entire review, you at least get something from this person that read and reviewed it. Yeah, I so I started doing it because I saw other bookstagrammers do what I liked in bullet points and what I didn't like in bullet points. And then so if you like this, maybe read this. Um, And it gave me that idea of like quick, interesting bits because of um, genres and how sometimes one book is classified as, you know, just a specific genre and I'll read it and I'm like, wait, it has Mm -hmm. way more. And I think that affects how lengthy my reviews can get because I feel like subgenres are important. Yeah. Um, So I'm definitely going to be stealing that like what I liked and didn't like and like interesting bits. I'm going to steal that (laughs) for my reviews because I I like that. Um, But I find it difficult to include subgenres when I'm writing a review or if I'm, you know, creating some sort of content because I'm like, what even like what is considered a subgenre? If I'm considering something, um, I don't know, like horror, is that going to be horror for everyone else? You know, if someone says subgenre is horror, is that horror for you? So that's like another thing, like, and that's why you kind of have to take everything with a grain of salt because everyone is trying, right? Everyone's trying their best. But, you know, uh, I'll go back to Verity. Nobody told me that there was romance. And I wouldn't have picked it up if I would have known it was a romantic thriller. Although in the back of the book, it says, I think, something about, you know, being a romantic thriller, which clearly I <laughs> didn't read. Um, but I would have liked it if someone would have put that in a review that I read because I wouldn't have picked it up. I don't want romance in my thrillers. It's interesting because I, so I didn't know it was a romantic thriller. I think later on you're the one that told me because you convinced me to read that book. You took me down a dark hole with you because I wasn't <laughs> going to read it. So thank you for that. <laughs> you're welcome. I'm glad you joined. <laughs> Um, and it's interesting because I thought, because I, if you don't know by now, I hated the book. I, I could rant about that book for a whole episode, but I'm not. And the reason I add subgenres is because I like reading thrillers, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of thrillers that I will not read. Um, yeah. A lot of them tend to be hit or miss. And I've noticed that, I know this is one that you love, but Locked Room Mysteries Mm-hmm. tend to be very hit or miss for me. I'll either yeah. love it or I'll hate it. There's no in between. And so for even horror, I don't like adult horror. I like YA horror and I like some, I don't know, magical realism. So one of the books that, I, well, two books that I um, wrote reviews for, I added subgenres. So for House of Hollow, I said YA horror. It's a mystery thriller. Again, emphasis on the YA, right? And then it has magical realism. And then for the Maidens, I wrote thriller, murder mystery, dark academia. And I think it's important to try to write them if a book has, you know, a lot of it or like Mm -hmm. it's a focus in in the story. If it's not, if it's something really tiny, then obviously we don't need to add the subgenre. But as someone that like has really tried to focus on what I actually like in books and what tropes I don't like, um, I like to see that in reviews. Yeah, no, and it's definitely important. And that's why I like those bullet points, because it gives you just like a, 
it's a quick, you know, something at a glance or whatever they say, like it's quick. You can look at it, you look at the bullet points and you're like, all right, this is, you know, this has horror, this has dark academia, this has maybe a little bit of romance, there's a love triangle, whatever it is. And you're like, okay, I don't love, I don't like love triangles. Maybe this isn't for me. Or, Mm -hmm. you know what? I'm not a fan of locked room mystery. So I think I'm going to pass on this one. And that's why I like those bullet points. Um, And I also think, well, you mentioned triggers and... (laughs) (laughs) another thing that i have been really really trying to do is include trigger warnings and content warnings in my reviews or if i'm talking about a book in a post it can be really difficult because not everyone has the same triggers um some you know something that triggers me might not trigger someone else or something that triggers someone might not trigger me and i might not think to put it in my review and that doesn't mean that it's any lesson or that i'm not trying to put it but it's just that it's hard when let's say there's not a list of content warnings or trigger warnings at the front of the book at the beginning of the book so you essentially as a reader and reviewer have to read it and figure out what is and isn't a trigger warning I also get worried with uh, putting triggers in my reviews, although they are very important, but I get worried about putting some of them because I feel like some of them could be a spoiler, Um, especially for thrillers. Like if I'm putting, you know, this is a really, really difficult one. So, you know, trigger warning, but, you know, death of a child. And, you know, for example, that there is a child in the book. And they might be like, you know, the child of the main character. Then you're going to go into reading it and you're going to be thinking the whole time, you know, is this character going to die? So that could be a spoiler. But it's also a really big trigger. (laughs) I know that in episode three, I complained about how I wish I would have known about, you know, the child abuse that happens in Verity because it's very graphic and detailed. Um, And it makes me think now, I wonder if people didn't put those triggers because they thought it would be a spoiler because it's a Mm -hmm. a very gray area. And I've seen, it's it's this big debate where I've seen some readers post and say like, it is not my job to educate you and tell you to look at the triggers. You should already know. Um, I'm just putting out my review. And I've seen others that say like, hey, please, please, please put triggers, put content warnings. And I've noticed that authors, specifically romance authors, I've noticed are adding content warning pages into their books. If I'm picking up a book on Kindle and I pass, you know, the title page, it says like, stop here or read here, um, spoilers ahead. These are the content warnings. And then they mm. list everything out and then end of spoilers. And then you can start the book. And I think that's, that's pretty cool that they do that because um, we all go through different things in life. And yeah. something, like you said, that may trigger one reader is not going to trigger another one. Um, so even if they're considered slight spoilers, I mean, I'm sure the book is still, you know, there's still a lot going on in there that you're going to yeah. want to read it. But I mean, you mentioned one trigger warning could be the death of a child. Um, and I didn't see that trigger for Hairpin Bridge. Remember that yeah. book? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, a certain scene happens and I was so triggered yeah. <laughs> by it and so like pissed off that I didn't know that was in the book. But again, I didn't see that in reviews. Um, so I think I'm going to continue doing the trigger warnings and content warnings. Sometimes I will say, um, I feel like some things are a spoiler, but if you want to know like the full list, DM me. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. 
Um, and then, I mean, some triggers are not maybe a huge spoiler, um, but I mean, some of my triggers, right? Uh, animal abuse, death of an animal, child abuse, death of a child. Yeah. So those are like my big, big triggers um, that will stop me from reading a book. Like I could stop reading a book because of those. There are other, you know, things that trigger me, but I can kind of work through them and finish. But those are like, those are mine. Okay. So now that we've talked a little bit about how we write reviews um, and what we see other readers do, I think it's important to talk about advanced reading copies, which we call ARCs, because first of all, I didn't know that ARCs were accessible to readers like us before I joined Bookstagram. I would see reviews, obviously, right, on you know mm-hmm. magazines or or blogs. Um, so I, <laughs> I really thought these ARCs are only available to early like reviewers that you know. <laughs> had like a, a byline in a magazine or, mm-hmm. or something um and then i joined bookstagram and i learned that i could apply i had no idea what an arc was i had no idea what arc stood for like it was like <laughs> it took me like months where i was like oh arc like it's just an, it's it's called an arc like it's just an arc like that's all that it is and i didn't know that it was like advanced reader copy and i was like oh that makes sense so with arcs it's interesting seeing the availability and accessibility Um, when it comes to particular books. I know that I started requesting books back in 2019, later on when I joined, and um, it was pretty much first come, first serve, or depending Mm -hmm. on um, following count. And now, with how things have changed specifically because of book talk, um, I've noticed that it's easier to get a book now if you're part of a marginalized group. Yeah. Like if um, that um, publishers are prioritizing, you know, these groups and it's because we as the readers want authentic reviews. Yeah, um, I do think that, well, at least they feel more available, right? And yeah. it, it feels more accessible to actually try to request them. Um, I do think it's still dependent on follower account, no matter yeah. what anyone says. Um, it's definitely dependent on, you know, where are you posting content? Mm-hmm. Are you posting only on Instagram? Do you have a Goodreads? Do you have a story graph? Do you have TikTok? Like yeah. you're going to be more, it's, you know, you're more likely to get a book if you have a bigger following and if you are posting in multiple places. Um, and it's just harder to get, you know, more popular, more hyped books, no matter you know, where you're posting or how many followers you have. Like something like, um, you know, Stephanie Garber's newest book. Yeah. Like that, like, who, I didn't even, like, I didn't even try. Because, you know, there are some bookstagrammers that got it and they don't have, you know, 30,000 followers, but it is incredibly difficult to get. So there are some books that I don't even try to request. Because you've mentioned that, it's making me think of Book Talk and when the book You've Reached Sam came out because I only saw it there and I only saw people have arcs. The people that had arcs were all like, they either had the little check mark that they were verified mm. um, or people that had huge followings yeah. um, or 
maybe not huge, but a lot of engagement, whether it's yep. the likes, the shares, the comments. Um, and I didn't see that book on Bookstagram. So I don't know if they try, they're, like publishers are trying new tactics, seeing where they send the books more to, to book talkers, to bookstagrammers yep. and whatnot, because I mean, there have been a lot of changes when it comes to ARCs now compared to when we started off. Um, just like with one thing that I've noticed is that e-arcs have become mm-hmm. such a huge, huge thing because of the pandemic, because yeah. they couldn't send, you know, physical books to us. Um, everyone and their mother were requesting mm-hmm. ebook arcs. And uh, it just now publishers are like, we may not have a lot of physical books to send out, but, you know, mm-hmm. we can send you an ebook. Um, I'm not partial to ebooks. Because I only really read um, my romance on my Kindle, yeah. so it's hard for me to, you know, pay attention to this story. Yeah, and I so that's so what you're talking about is different from NetGalley, because the NetGalley is specifically right for those like advanced reader copies that are electronic. So when you're going in there and you're requesting those titles, you know that it's going to be an e an e arc, as opposed to you know, requesting or sending an email to a publisher or a publicist and requesting an ARC for a book and getting a response back saying, like you said, hey, we don't have enough print copies, but I can definitely send you an e-ARC to review or signing up and being a part of an influencer list and getting those like, hey, these are these, you know, e-ARCs that you can request. That's so that's separate from from NetGalley. And I'm also I, I don't. So I have a Kindle, but I only use it sometimes, like very, very rarely. <laughs> I read fan fiction and <laughs> <laughs> I download my fan fiction onto my, my Kindle. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I read on there. Um, I will sometimes read a thriller um, on my Kindle, but very rarely. So I. And it sounds, you know, I don't know. I don't know how it sounds, but if I'm not getting a physical copy of an ARC, I'm probably not going to read it if it's Mm -hmm. an e-ARC, if we're being honest. Yeah, I like to take notes. Um, And now with annotating, I love to highlight, you know, use my little pen, my little sticky tabs. Um, And if I can't do that with an ARC, then it makes it very hard for me to write, you know, the style of review that I tend to... Mm you know, to do. Um, and so, I don't know. I prefer the physical arcs. Um, and it feels like it's been more of a competition lately to get specific books because if you sign up for an influencer list, you tend to get a newsletter or a Google Doc form and you have to, you know, fill out your information and you have to request the books that are on that list. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I've noticed that they say there's only like 50 copies there's only 25 copies. How many, you know, followers do you have on Bookstagram? Are you on any other platforms? Yep. How many followers there? Um, I've noticed that now they're asking for more aesthetically pleasing content um, when it comes to photos or videos. So that's something mm-hmm. else altogether. It's like it's it's more work as a, a reader. And I mean, I get it. It makes sense because they're trying to make sure that you know, people are seeing these reviews so that sales can go up for the books, but it's a lot different from what it was back then. I mean, you could just, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, just I don't Just request know. it and be like, here's my Instagram. 
Um, and kind of going off of that, I mean, like book tour companies specifically, they will send out like, hey, uh, here's this book that you can request to review. However, it's just a TikTok tour. So if you have Instagram, great. But you, you know, we're not going to give you a book for this specific tour because it's yeah. specifically for TikTok. Um, for book tours, that's how I started off. That's how I discovered ARCs and that I could request them. Um, and it's interesting because they're just kind of like the middleman between readers and publishers, and it makes yeah. it easier. Um, and it's a great way if you're new to Bookstagram or new to BookTok and you want to, you know, get access to a book um, or access to ARCs in general, definitely sign up. A lot of the book tour companies on Instagram have um, a form for you to fill out and they'll reach out if you are joining their their team. Um, I know that right now a lot of things are changing with publishers. I think I saw something that you shared, right, Amy? Mm -hmm. um, where William Morrow just changed the entire way they did um their influencer list yeah they have a link i mean by the time this episode goes up i don't know if that will still be available it's definitely something to look into though a lot of publishing houses are opening up their influencer list so you just have to kind of go into their instagrams or go onto their websites and look for it uh, but William Morrow definitely has an influencer list you fill out a form they're asking you for you know um your Instagram and, you know, of course, just like we mentioned, you know, where else do you post? Where else do you post content? How many followers do you have? And do you belong to any marginalized groups? Um, so there are book tour companies that work with the larger publishing houses. And then there are book tour companies that work specifically with like indie authors. So, you know, there's something for everyone, really. Um, I've learned a couple of things since I started requesting ARCs. And one of the big things is you don't have to request every book or if you join, let's say, a newsletter um, and you don't see anything that you like, it's okay not to request because more than likely you won't read it. Um, it'll be very difficult for you to even post about it. Um, I've learned that through, through the arcs, I've learned what type of books I like and what I don't like. So if I request a murder mystery that's cozy and whatnot, I probably won't read it and it'll turn into a spotlight post. And now I have this physical book that could have gone to um, someone else. I learned that I needed to like pace myself and only request if I have time to read. If I know the next couple of months are going to be busy, then maybe it's not, you know, a good thing to request these books because now I'm going to be stressed that I have to read all of this and I'm a mood reader and so if I'm stressed out that I have to read something <laughs> <laughs> I just want to hide under my pillow yeah and not read um at all um sometimes you'll get books you didn't request and Those are you, fun. you kind of feel like you have to you know post about it because you're like okay where, where did this come from um, you have to be okay with giving out your address to all of these publicists, to book tour companies, and if you sign up for a lot, a lot of people are going to end up with your address, so you have to be comfortable with that, um, and you have to be honest in your reviews, and if you have a, you have a book that you didn't really like, wait to post your review until the book is published or do a spotlight post. That was yeah. a lot. 
<laughs> yeah, that was a lot. I learned a lot. And because of all of this, I'm not requesting anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I also obviously have learned a lot since starting my bookstream journey and especially since um, starting <laughs> requesting arcs. Um, for me, it was mainly like FOMO. I wanted all of the, I thought it was so cool, right, that we were getting these arcs, that they were available to us, that I could even get, an, you know, a book that wasn't published yet. I was like, wow, this is awesome. Like, yeah. I feel so cool. Um, and it's a problem because I was incredibly behind on my TBR, like the books that I had bought with my money and that I owned and that I wanted to read. And now I had all of these arcs, which I was very grateful for. But I was, you know, signing up for these to get these arcs and to post these reviews and it came you know there came a time where I had way too many arcs and yeah. I didn't have time to read them so I didn't get I I haven't posted all of the arcs that I've gotten and it makes me feel really bad because like you said you're taking you know you're requesting this arc and you're getting it from the publishing house or whomever and it could have gone to someone else that yeah. could have that could have read it and so definitely I think if you're going to be requesting arcs just pace yourself know what you like um like you said don't request everything you see because mm -hmm. I, I have romance books like for what <laughs> <laughs> no it's FOMO honestly Why? it's FOMO bookstagram's influence has really gotten to us and we don't want to miss out on anything and so if a lot of us, especially if we kind of have a similar following mm -hmm. and a lot of us are getting this specific book, then we want it. And so we want to sign yeah. up and then we want to get the next book. And that's how you get stuck with this stack of arcs or sometimes finished copies. Um, and you won't have time to read it because let's face it, we have TBRs that we've, you know, gathered from our own money and whatnot or gifted that we're just never going to yeah. finish reading completely. So imagine yeah. adding a stack of arcs. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And um, I kind of also wanted to talk about um, going out of your way to request an arc from a publishing house. So different from signing up for, you know, or being on an influencer list. So going out of your way, doing the research, you know, finding your author, you know, your favorite author is going to release a book or there's an upcoming release that you're really excited about. And you have to kind of do some research and you have to find the publicist. You have to find their email address, which is on the website. You know, you just have you have to do it. You have to search for it and you have to write an email to them requesting the book. And so some things that we've learned from experience from doing it and also kind of advice from other from other bookstagrammers um, when you're writing an email you don't want to put too much information. You have to keep it short and sweet. So for the subject, you know, you want to include, um, you know, arc request and then the title of the book and then by and then the author's name. And then in the email itself, you want to essentially include your name, your handle and your interest in the book. Why do you want to read this book? Not don't don't do an essay. Like these, you know, this is their job. These are publicists. They're busy. Just really quick, like, you know, I'm really excited about this new book release. You know, this might you could, you know, this is your favorite author. You know, I love this author. I've read their other their other works and I'm really excited. Do a quick snapshot of your Instagram or wherever you post content. So how many followers do you have? What kind of post are you going to do? Is it going to be a review? Most of the time you're going to want to post a review and publicists are going to want reviews you know, of these books. So how are you going to cover this book? Um, 
how did you hear about this book? Kind of like I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to this book that's releasing in whatever date. You have to do some work to do this. You know, we as readers, we love books, but we are not owed anything. And this is someone's work, the the author's work and the publicist, the publishing houses, you know, yes, they should be, you know, <laughs> they should have a relationship with their, with their uh, readers, but they also, at the end of the day, don't owe us anything. So, you know, just be respectful. Um, don't include your mailing address in that email, in that initial email to that publicist. Until they ask you for it. Yeah, because you're sending an email out, but like, are you saying, are you sending it to the right person? Yeah. You know, is that going to get bounced back or, you know, whatever it is, just wait for them to reply to see if they'll even send you the book. Um, and just, you know, keep up to date with the publicist if you do get a reply back. If you did say you were going to post coverage for the book, just try to keep that relationship because, again, this is someone's job. You know, they're sending you a book, but they're a publicist at the end of the day, and this is their job. And if they're sending you something for free, you should at least read it and post about it. And this is something that I know I have to get better at. Yeah, um, this is also a way to build relationship with publishers and keeping that door open, like you said, because you don't know if later on the author is going to, you know, have a book coming out and maybe you'll already be on their list of, hey, let's send a book to to Amy because she, you know, she requested this one a while back, sent everything in a timely manner. Um, and it's important because you never know. Yeah, it's all networking. Yep. So I've sent out a lot of emails um, and I've learned a lot through this uh, process. And one of the big things is that a lot of the times, because this is their job, you won't get a reply back because they're sent, they're getting like a lot of emails from different readers requesting these arcs and, um, and it's okay. I mean, you're gonna get denied an arc, you won't get a response. You just have to keep trying. You know, I've had to learn what to put in my emails when I'm requesting ARCs because there is a lot of research that goes into finding uh, the email to a publisher for a specific book that I want. Um, and then, you know, what do I write and how can I, you know, entice the publisher to say, hey, like Stephanie yeah. deserves to get mm -hmm. this ARC. Um, and so because these publishers, not publishers, these publicists are getting you know, hundreds of emails, especially if it's a hype book, from yeah. all these readers saying, hey, I'd love to get a copy of an ARC, I'd love to review it uh, and post about it. A lot of the times you won't get a response back um, or it'll be months and then maybe you'll get a response back or yeah. the book will show up at your house. Oh, that's always really fun. Well, it's fun when you like requested it. It's always yeah. awkward when you're like, where did this come from? No, yeah. Um, you'll request it. They won't respond and it'll show up at your house. And you're like, okay, cool, I guess. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, and um, and sometimes they'll just flat out say that, um, like, no. You're yeah. denied for an ARC. And it's hard because I know that following count, like, it, not following, follower count really matters. And mm -hmm. I know that publishers say it doesn't but I've seen it you know yep. I've seen who the books go to um, and so it really sucks 
um, because everyone's working on their own accounts and trying to grow them. I mean, it's it's a yeah. little competition between all, all of us. Um, and now with how everything is changing and how they're asking for certain content and you're having to adapt, it just, I don't know, sometimes it can get discouraging. And I know that for now, for me, um, aside from the book I got that I didn't request, I haven't requested anything for a couple <laughs> of months. And um, it's sad because I know that I've wanted to request books here and there, but I just, I'm like, let me just focus on my account first and then yeah. maybe I'll request because videos are hard for me. Yeah. And so I, I have also have had my fair share of rejection. It's always interesting when you go onto bookstagram or you go onto book talk and you see that someone else got the arc that you wanted. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you kind of feel discouraged. And I find myself like comparing myself to this person. Um, mm-hmm. and you, you know, being like, you know, is it, is it my follower count? Is it because I don't have like is it my aesthetic is it my yeah. my photos um, all of these things and sometimes it's none of that sometimes it could be that or it could just be that that person might have a relationship already with that publishing house which happens because you know there was one time where I got an arc and I received a message like how did you get that I requested that and it was because I already had a relationship with the publicist and they reached out to me So that's why it kind of goes back to being respectful, you know, requesting ARCs when you can, writing reviews, following up with those publicists. They want to see, like, insider tip, if you're sending an email and they're sending you an ARC, once you read it and review it, send them an email back and be like, hey, I read it, here's my post, and include a link. Yeah. Um, another tip could be maybe start off requesting books that are not as hyped. Yep. Build that rapport, that, you know, relationship, and then request that hype book. And you, who knows? You may get it. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, YA, I think, is very competitive, like the YA community and mm-hmm. getting um, YA books. But if you go after a book that you want to read. It's not like just to request it, just to request it. But if there's genuinely a book that you want to read, um, but might not be as hyped, you're probably more likely to receive, not always, don't take us for, you know, (laughs) take this with a grain of salt, of course, but um, you are probably more likely to get some sort of, whether it's a physical arc or an e-arc of that book, if it's Mm -hmm. not as, you know, quote unquote, hyped. Yeah, and um, also when you write your review on Instagram, try to add it on Goodreads or Storygraph, whatever platform you use, because authors really appreciate it and publicists like to see that. Absolutely, yeah. And like you mentioned earlier, if it is an ARC and you didn't like it, you can be honest, but maybe Mm -hmm. wait to post that, you know, review until after pub day or don't use the hashtags. <laughs> and don't tag the author. Yes, please, don't tag the author. On your negative review. <laughs> uh. So this turned into an informational podcast uh, episode. It's our TED uh, Talk. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know that we had a lot of information to throw at you. If you have any questions regarding, you know, reviews or rating systems or arcs definitely let us know on instagram thank you all for listening don't forget to check in every monday for our weekly episodes you can also find us on instagram at fictionally booked 
podcast. <laughs>